0: Well, like most of us tonight, I drove here to church. I walked out of the house, hopped in the car, turned uh, this key in the ignition to start the motor and uh, drove here. And the point I'd like to make from this riveting insight into my life, the point I'd like to make is that it took this key to start the car. Without this key, if I hadn't put it in the ignition... My car wasn't going to take me anywhere. No matter how shiny or nice it looked, gleaming there in the afternoon sun, I watched it the other day, Uh, no matter how good it looked, it took this key to unlock the potential and unleash the power of our 18-year-old Holden Nova. Last Sunday, uh, in chapters 52 and 53, we discovered the key that unlocked the potential of God's plan to transform the world. It turned out to be the servant. That mysterious servant who would already appeared a few other times in the book, he reappeared last week in a very dramatic way as he substituted himself for our sins and bore our punishment. He was pierced for our transgressions, we were told. He was crushed for our iniquities And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And that extraordinary substitution of the servant for us was the final piece of God's plan to transform the world. And as such, it's the peace that activates everything. And it really is like the turning of a key in the ignition. As now, all the good purposes, all the good plans of God for his people... All the good things just spring into life. Which is exactly what tonight's passage from Isaiah is all about. As now in chapter 55, which we just heard read, and also in the chapter before it, immediately after the substitute of the servant in those previous chapters, in today's chapters, it's as if the suffering servant has unlocked the very floodgates of heaven and the blessings of God just burst out. Which makes it a pretty good section for us to pay attention to. Because remember, Jesus has appeared in history as the servant. When Jesus died on the cross as the Lord's servant, he accomplished what chapters 52 and 53 last week, what they described. He died in our place as our substitute. And so what Isaiah could only look forward to in tonight's passage, we now enjoy because of Jesus. Well, what do we enjoy? Isaiah tells us in chapter 55, which we just read, he tells us what we enjoy in terms of a permanent covenant that now exists with God. A covenant. It's not a word that we use that much nowadays, but a covenant basically means a promise, a commitment, an agreement. It's a very rich biblical idea. Nowadays, we do talk about building covenants, you know, where perhaps the homeowners in an estate, they promise to do certain things like they might All agree not to build over a certain level or build fences a certain way. That's a covenant. Well, all the way through the Old Testament, God made covenants with people. He made commitments with people like Abraham and Noah and Moses. Indeed, in the chapter before our reading tonight, in chapter 54, Isaiah refers to lots of these previous covenants so as to show that they have been taken all to the next level because of what the servant has done. I'll leave you to read the chapter for yourself if you haven't already done so. But in chapter 54, there's reference to some of these previous covenants. He talks about the covenant that God made with Noah and there's word associations that make us remember Noah and God's promise to give him lots of children. And there's word associations that make us think about Sinai and the covenant that God made with Moses to make Israel his people. He would be their God, and they would be his people. And then there's mention of Noah as well and god 's promise god 's covenant with Noah to not destroy the water with earth again. We destroy the earth with water again. And Isaiah refers to all these previous covenants so as to make the point that the suffering servant and what he achieved in the previous chapters All the blessings of even those previous covenants have now come into being in an even richer way. Sins have been forgiven. God and his people are indeed restored together. Uh, God's people come from all over the world, nations, and and, uh, a covenant of everlasting peace is now in place. And it's all rolled together so as to build anticipation for the chapter that we've heard read tonight, which talks of a new permanent Everlasting covenant that now exists between God and His people. An arrangement between God and His people so terrific that you really do want in on it. Which is why the chapter opens with an invitation. Chapter 55, verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. God is issuing an invitation for us to come and be satisfied by him in a new arrangement that the suffering servant has brought into being. And it's interesting that in the first line there, the word come is in plural, but the next phrase, all of you, is singular. And that mixture of both plural and singular, it's stressing that this is seriously an invitation for all of us and each of us. It's like saying, "Calm evening church, come and be satisfied by God. Dave, come and be satisfied by God. Colin, come and be satisfied by God. Kathy, come and be satisfied by God. Nathan, come and be satisfied. We could work our way right around the room. This is not just a vague sort of posting on Facebook to anyone. This is a personalised handwritten invitation, your name on it, an invite from the God of all the universe into a permanent everlasting arrangement of peace with him. And this is an invitation that is seriously on the table now because remember what Isaiah could only look forward to. Jesus has realised. And after extending this invitation in the first bit of verse 1, Isaiah now rattles off all these reasons throughout the chapter as to why we should accept it. Let me mention a few. Reason number one, it's free of charge. Look back at verse 1. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Got no money? No problem. Come and buy whatever you want. It's an, it's an extravagant image of you know, going down to Woolies. Fill up as many with you as you want, as often as you want, as full as you want, whenever you want, with whatever you want, all paid for. And so this invitation is to come and enjoy the blessings of God as often as you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, whoever you are, It's been paid for. The servant footed the bill in chapter 53, remember? He was pierced for our transgressions. In fact, not only does this invite come free of charge, a second reason to accept this invite is that it's satisfaction guaranteed. Verse 2, listen, listen to me. Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Come, eat. Come here, give ear, sorry, and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I don't know about you, but I'm so easily dissatisfied. Usually every week it only takes a new round of the junk mail to arrive and suddenly there's all this stuff in the house that I feel like we need to upgrade or replace or else some new product that we haven't got at all that we need to get. God says in verse 2 there that his giving of this everlasting covenant, this everlasting arrangement, it, it's to delight in the richest of fear. This is to be fully satisfied. This is not to be disappointed. You will never need to, you will never want to upgrade out of this arrangement with God. You have his word on it. Which is in fact the third reason in this chapter to accept the invitation. You can trust the person who's inviting you. Look for example at verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Look, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and make it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire. And achieve the purpose for which I sent it. See, when God says something, it happens. And so, this invitation to enter an everlasting covenant of peace, which will delight your soul and which you can enter into for free because of the suffering servant, it sounds too good to be true, but it is true. You just got to look at the person handing you the invitation. It's the God of all the universe, the one who only has to speak a word and entire galaxies spin into place. This permanent covenant, it's a certainty. The true and living God is offering it to you, and his word does not return to him empty. Another reason to accept it, as if we need any more reasons, is that this fully satisfying, free and certain covenant will in time involve a whole new creation. Verse 12. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. Now, these are intriguing words. A place where thorns and weeds are replaced with pine trees and myrtles. A place so joyous, it's as if the landscape itself is singing. The musical will come true. The hills will indeed be alive with the sound of music. A place where there will be, in other words, no more frustration, no more anxiety, no more difficulties, ever. Verse 13 describes this place as an everlasting sign. In other words, just as the rainbow was a sign of Noah's covenant and circumcision was you know, the sign for Abraham's covenant, this brand new unspoilt world is going to exist as a permanent sign of a permanent covenant. We need to watch this space because we're going to hear more about this joyous new world in a few weeks' time. For now, let me just mention one more reason tucked away in the chapter that Isaiah wants, us to, wants to give us for accepting this invitation to enter this permanent covenant. And that is we need to accept it just before it's too late because it's not going to be around forever. Look with me at uh, verse 16 and some verses that we skipped over before. Sorry, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. It's lovely thoughts there that, that God will give mercy and, and give pardon, Or because of what we heard last week in chapters 52 and 53 in the suffering servant. But also in these verses, there's an implicit urgency to the words, I think. Seek the Lord while he may be found. The clear implication is that there's going to come a time when you won't be able to find him anymore. Call on him while he is near. The clear implication is that there will become a time when he won't be near anymore. And so whatever you do, you need to take up the invitation while you can. Last Tuesday there was that $70 million uh, lotto draw. I'm sure you saw it on the news. In the lead up to the deadline for the draw, it was estimated that people were buying tickets at the rate of 7,500 tickets a minute. That was to get a ticket that would give you a one in 45 millionth of a chance to win an amount of money which survey after survey after survey shows will not make you happy. And we scramble at the rate of 130 people a second to get an offer like that before its deadline runs out. How much more should we be scrambling to accept this invitation from God before its deadline runs out? Now we're going to think more about that next week because the next chapter on is going to draw us into this and get us to think about how we should be sharing this invitation with as many people as possible before the deadline runs out. But for now, I'd rather us just sort of step back and take in the overall effect of this chapter 55 in particular. A chapter which is sort of describing how, in one sense, all the good things God has ever promised have now been unlocked and are now available in a new permanent covenant. Not just a, per- a permanent covenant, covenant really, this is, this is a perfect covenant. This is a covenant where the full enjoyment of all the previous ones, the ones that Abraham and Noah and Sinai that got mentioned in the previous chapter, all those blessings are are now available and they sort of all have this accumulative effect and they add together to almost make a, a perfect storm of blessings that bring into being a permanent, perfect covenant. We're talking an eternal, flawless arrangement with God that is free of charge, deeply satisfying, joyous and certain. And it's all made possible by what we heard in chapters 52 and 53. The servant who substitutes himself for his people. He was pierced for our transgressions. And the floodgates of heaven have been opened. And what Isaiah could only look forward to, we enjoy all the more because of Jesus Christ. In one of his commentaries, John MacArthur, Jr. tells the story of a black slave in America who lived just prior to the Civil War. The owner of this particular slave died, and very unusually for the time, left the slave an inheritance of 50,000 dollars. $50,000, I think that's still a lot of money, but back then it was an astronomical amount. Astronomical. And so the bank manager called the slave into his office and carefully explained to him that he now held $50,000 in a bank account in his name. And having explained it all to the slave, the ma- the manager asked him if he had any questions. The slave replied, Please, sir do you think I could have 50 cents? I want to buy a sack of cornmeal. The guy had no idea how rich he was. He just could not take it in. He could not imagine the extent of what had happened to him. And so he was still worried about how he could afford a bit of flour. I wonder whether we can be like that sometimes regarding Jesus the Lord's servant who was pierced for our transgressions and now all the good things of God have been activated and we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing and I wonder if sometimes we just don't get it. And it shows in what we worry over, what we chase after, what we complain about, what we ask for, Jesus Christ, the Lord's servant, was pierced for our transgressions and the floodgates of heaven have been opened. Friends, everything has changed. We can only benefit from letting it change us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, your lavish generosity to us in all that your servant, your son, our saviour Jesus has achieved for us, thank you. Thank you that in, that in Christ you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Please open our eyes and minds to see that, to feel it, to know it, to live it. Father, we pray that you would grant us to be the sort of people that you've called us to be so that we might indeed live thankful lives Uh, for all that you have showered us in Jesus Christ. It is in his name we ask this. Amen.